1: you're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about albums that we think are unsung classics, and then you guys tell us if we're right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. Welcome to episode 45 of the Unsung Podcast. On last week's episode, we analysed and discussed, of course, Independent Worm Saloon by The Butthole Surfers. public decided that this record makes it into our discography, so thank you very much to all of those who voted. On this week's episode, we will be discussing Abyss by Chelsea Wolfe. Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by two men who are absolutely gutted about the fact that Philip Hammond imposed a new tax on esoteric black metal. I've
2: already switched off. Have you? Mm-hmm. Mentioned the name Philip Hammond. Oh, well. Translate that for everybody in the rest of the world lucky enough to not know who that is. Don't patronise our listeners. Just let them Google it themselves. I wouldn't know the Chancellor in Italy or the, in Indonesia or in, or in Sri Lanka.
3: Yeah, I don't even I know Google the prime minister in Australia because he changes every three months. Yeah, that's a whole lot of, a whole lot of conversation though. But uh, you yeah. should
2: have that instead of this, shall we?
3: Talk, yeah. about Let's just talk about Australian politics. Yeah, fuck it. We can talk about our right, favorite underrated I Australian, Australian politicians. What's uh, your favorite trade deal? Oh, I love the uh, the the. the South Pacific. <laughs> Trade deal. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I prefer the King and I. Uh, uh I was never a big musical fan actually. Really? But, although I went to see Evita um in the cinema with my parents when that came out with Madonna and Jimmy Nail. And, and I really enjoyed that. Jimmy Neil. <laughs> uh, Newcastle's Madonna. Wow, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't actually know Jimmy Neil was in that. Yeah. Um. so that was like I don't know I haven't seen it since I was nine but you know I enjoyed that
2: I
1: but, don't know if you're telling the truth or if you're lying here <laughs> that,
2: I mean that is something else we could be doing instead of recording this of podcast that. is watching the do- uh, Evita watching, Evita or watching just the just... documentary Evita <laughs> I mean Eva Peron though I mean they weren't exactly the most wholesome bunch <laughs> no the, the old Argentinian dictators great it's good that Brazil's got its own new dictator though, eh? Yeah, it's, it's fun, we'll get, a, we'll get a good uh, Jimmy Nail musical out of that in <laughs> <laughs> years. One day, yeah. Once they manage to stamp out the flames. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll go first, because sitting across the room from me today is my man David, who's dropping no subtle hints that we need to hurry up and get our finger out and do the hair metal
3: episode, sporting a Def Leppard t-shirt. Uh, yep. I'll, I mean, no guesses as to what hair metal glam rock band I'll be repping. Uh come that. Uh and opposite me is Mr Chris Kusack who is doing an even more overt hint sitting as he is completely naked with his <laughs> full abdomen with a uh kiss tattoo. Uh he's got <laughs> Paul Stanley with his eyes as nipples uh and you don't know you don't want to know where um, Gene Simmons' tongue Gene is. Simmons' tongue is. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, don't turn around. I don't want to see the cat. <laughs> uh, what record are we doing I today, you were Mark? start singing I Don't Want to See Your Heart Breaking. Right. I, I don't know that song because I can't remember it because they don't write good songs.
1: Mark. <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, we're talking about Abyss by Chelsea Wolfe
3: Uh, You chose this, Mark. I did. It's Uh, a serious
1: bit of music. It's a a serious, seriously dark bit of music as well. Yeah, I'm a goth, so I I, I like goth stuff.
3: You're not a goth. You're a punk. Ah, yeah, Mark, make your mind up. You can't, you can't hang with both crews. But I DFI is fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the crossover. Is that's that your fine. bridge that's from punk bridge, to goth? Yeah. He's, uh-huh. the, he's the Mrs. Doubtfire, the Mrs.
2: Doubtfire. <laughs> oh, turn out of alternative
3: music. <laughs> he runs from gig
2: to gig and accidentally runs into the punk show with his crow makeup on. Have
1: you and never heard the misfits? What the fuck are you talking <laughs> about, Christopher Kissing? <Cusack? laughs>
2: Wrestlers, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, talk, uh, talking of which, but a uh, big shout out to that Roman Reigns or Joe. Joe, the wrestler who Joe. went out this week or last week rather in WWE uh, having had a recurrence of his leukemia mm-hmm. and he like walked out to make the announcement and obviously everybody boos him because the company's tried so goddamn hard to pick that guy over and everybody's
3: like boo, boo, and he comes in the
2: middle of this, the the ring he's like um, yeah my name's not Roman Reigns it's Joe and I've got leukemia again
1: and everybody's like.
3: Fuck is this? <laughs> like, what are we, what do we do now? Some serious
2: kayfabe breakage right now. If you <laughs> haven't
1: seen it, I recommend just for this the silence, which is just fucking unbelievable when he says that. Everybody's like, ah uh. like,
2: like Vince is taking this too far, <laughs> trying to put this guy over. Seriously. Come on now, Vince. Giving him leukemia. Oh um, but fucking good luck to the big man He's actually yeah. a really lovely dude
1: uh, He's supposed to be a proper superstar Yeah, yeah. Like, As a person So yeah Good luck to that guy
2: Anyway that just popped into my head Because I thought it was really sad It was also really interesting The way that this total Fictional world of pantomime Was in the space of like 30 seconds Turned into like Oh Okay Yeah these are real people mm. There you go
1: Yeah I think there's a whole podcast We can do, we can do on that But Gladly, yeah. Mm. We're not going to do that one today, I'm afraid. Sorry. I will have to Let's uh, get the
3: IC Dub guys in. <laughs> I will have to tap out on that one. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I know nothing about wrestling. Oh, well, you know enough. You just said that. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, come on. I watched it when I was a child. The age is aimed differently. <laughs> uh, but um, they're not, no, discuss- my, my they're not fr- fr- discussing Brexit. They're still jumping through tables and my pretending f- to go on fire. And- my, fr- my friend Craig watches wrestling, and I give him absolute pelters for it because it's all he talks about. Uh, is so it any worse uh, To watch wrestling Than it is to watch UFC
2: Where people actually Rip, watch rip and gouge each other apart As opposed to just Pantomime violence
3: I would rather watch wrestling Than UFC to be honest I don't Yeah. I just I'm kind of conflicted uh, in
2: that Because I, I recognise The skill in UFC But at least with wrestling It's sort of like Well I don't actually Want to
3: see somebody Have their orbital smashed
1: You know Yeah but the exact same Amount of part I'm involved now In terms of The build up and all that And UFC I,
3: like, I was always a big football fan growing up, but I've kind of given up because big business has taken over. Uh, Craig is trying to get me in to watch wrestling, but no, I have decided that What's my Craig, new sport-
2: Because like, wrestling is definitely not
3: a corporate sport. Yeah, but at least sport. it- It's a company it, that it, left every woman behind to yeah, go to exactly. Saudi Arabia and go and do a But at least it wears it on its sleeve, you know. But I've decided that- Cur- trunks. Cur- trunks Curling. Curling. <laughs> is the sport for me it'll be next yeah so uh, I'm actually going to go to uh, Brayhead Ice Rink on the 10th of November if anybody wants to join me uh, for a little curling session David I'm telling you <laughs> the oil
2: barons will be in about the curling next they'll all go to pot
3: oh, fuck it oh well
2: Uh will a
1: good time out last though eh? uh anyway
3: Chelsea Wolf. <laughs> Chelsea Wolf. yeah <laughs> from curling to Chelsea Wolf in one Anything swift about minute. music today I think that's <laughs> mo. cool so how did you get into this Mark tell me more that's a good question. I can't remember how I got into this. Good
2: story. I saw her recently. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just like trying, down like the street. Noise them up here. No, I went to see Ministry at the.
3: Oh yeah, that's right. At SWG3. SWG3. How um, was that? Chelsea Wolf was supporting. It's she. kind of an odd support. I thought. I, it, I would say, I don't
2: know, man. It's mm. it, it kind of worked. I mean, Ministry. Okay, it's a it's a bit more silly and a bit like more
3: upbeat, but Chelsea Wolf was well received. She she was really good. Yeah. Do you know what? It's it's weird from uh like a. I don't know what the like ministry aren't a particularly cool band. Chelsea Wolf is a particularly cool act. Maybe in terms of like um maybe in their thinking a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just weird to see her on that sort of bill. Um but musically, yeah, it's you know, the uh, weird thing sort is of though, does fit, doesn't it? Ministry are deceptively influential.
2: I mean, the amount of guys I know that do electronic music that fucking love ministry and it's like a big part of how they got into it. And yeah, I think they're they're overlooked. They're yeah. they're also well. I mean, there's definitely a candidate for this. We've spoken about them a few yeah. times. As On
3: this record, there's some big
1: industrial beats. Mm. So um, that's like was a segue. Yeah. yeah, I like that.
3: Okay, um, well, so yeah, why <laughs>
1: continue?
3: <laughs> right, David, you do Mark's episode for him? <laughs> I no, I really like this record. Mm. It's just interesting because uh, we were talking about choosing a Chelsea Wolf Wolf record. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a kid's book um, And I would probably have gone with Pain is Beauty because that was As ever, you know, the f- the first one I heard And it was the one that I sort of so I got that tune, Feral, Feral Love Feral, Feral yeah. Love that was on Game of
2: Thrones mm-hmm. Trailer
3: And you can see why songs off that record got picked up for soundtracks and stuff like that, because it is... I mean, it's epic, but it seems to have maybe just a few more catchy hooks in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a lot more... Well, it it felt big when you listened to that record first, but then comparing it to this record, uh, it's a lot more barren and stripped back, actually, because this record sounds absolutely fucking
1: huge. I mean, I think for for me... It was between this and Pain is Beauty for me as well. Um, but the reason in the end I didn't really go for Pain is Beauty is because I don't really feel it's as cohesive as this record is. Yeah. There's a couple of songs in Pain is Beauty which could stand to be removed entirely from the album, I think. Um, this one I think is just not only is it, not only is it more cohesive, but it's actually the, the way it's sequenced is really interesting as well, which I think we'll probably get into. Um, so, so, talk about the album. She's got but, progressively more Doomy.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, okay, so this This one is her fourth, but actually her fifth album. She's yeah. disowned her first album, mm-hmm. um, and, which it was <laughs> Mistaken Parton from like 2006. I love um, Have you heard it? Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't heard it. And I mean, she felt it was like a kind of like quite cliched sort of breakup album, like maybe a bit angsty. She didn't even really intend to do it, she was sorta, of, she had access to these recording facilities, she played a bit of music and she was kinda, she says, talked into it, it was a bit, a bit of a whim, mm-hmm. um, and as a result, it didn't really get a formal release as far as I'm aware. Uh, there's a tune in it called Nothing No One which is a bit like P G Harvey, I think a lot of her stuff's actually quite like P G Harvey. Definitely isn't. It's typically like typical balladry. Mm-hmm. The way she makes it out to be this dead, obvious, and kind of cliched sort of the kind of thing that would appear in a soundtrack in a in a rom com. It's really it's really nothing like that at all. It is a little bit self involved, but maybe I'm missing something. But Chelsea wolf's music is self involved throughout. I mean, well, one of the recurring points that came across to me as I listened through a back catalogue, and I listened to everything as far as I'm aware, anyway, um, was that the actual writing hasn't changed much. It's the performance and the, the, the method of delivery that's mm-hmm. changed. And even going from Mistake Parton, I would challenge her that if you went back and took those exact songs but, record, uh, but performed and recorded them with your kind of mo- more contemporary sensibilities mm-hmm. with the far heavier, gothier approach, I don't think they would be terrible and I don't mm-hmm. think they'd necessarily... Be a hell of a lot weaker than some of the stuff, including some of the stuff in this album. Because I think there's three or four tracks in this album that are quite poor. And going through our back catalogue, first of all, it's not as doomy and as heavy as people make out. It's the the, the one that "Pain Is Beauty" is actually quite electronic. Mm. And there's a lot of electronic stuff, and there's a lot of artificial drum samples. And it's not like it's this big cavernous cult of Luna sort of. It's no, sort when of, I um, really like that. At when all. I first
3: heard "Pain Is Beauty," I sort of. Put it in the shelf along next to sort of Zola Jesus.
4: Like, oh,
3: even like Polita, yeah. uh, that sort of darker electronic. Absolutely, even yeah. Grimes. It's, it's-, um, it, it's like a sort of darker version of that but it wasn't she definitely wasn't you know post-metal to
2: begin yeah, with. yeah i mean it's certainly not russian circles who are like one of her peers or red sparrows and it's certainly certainly not cult of luna or even heavier it's it's not doom in that sense yeah. Th- there are times when it's very heavy but it's more heavy in mood than it's heavy in crushing weight of music i actually think his spun is probably because of the involvement of kurt bellew in our most recent album Oh, and I think I think are, just Aaron Turner on it as well. That like that one comes across as the most sort of doomy and metalier. Well, I
3: think overall you can just look at it straight, directly that she gets heavier with every record. Mm-hmm. I think she's just becoming more at ease with the power of her own voice and then using that, and it it doesn't get lost, which I think is something that you can hear on this record. Yeah, weirdly,
2: even though she does get heavier in the consecutive albums, the songwriting at points gets slightly sweeter because there's a couple of tracks in this that are beautiful tracks that mm-hmm. could have been performed on piano yeah. or unaccompanied sort of acoustic guitar and they're much prettier songs, mm-hmm. prettier than the ones before, which I think lack a little bit of melodic direction sometimes, like there, there's a lot of style and sometimes a bit of a lack of content mm-hmm. and that that applies yeah. in this album as well. There's a lot of style in in, in the the mood and the image and the, the production techniques, but sometimes the actual song underlying it is quite weak. But I mean... Maybe you give a bit of context. You guys say Chelsea Wolf, and we're describing her as just her, but I understand that Ben Chisholm is—he's is been there pretty much throughout, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's like her, her, and Ben Chisholm that mm-hmm. are the effectively Chelsea Wolf,
3: the project, yeah, uh, with other musicians. If you're born Chelsea Wolf. Then you might as well use that name to be in a goth band Yeah But so it's pretty middle, much the ideal A middle name's Joy though so. Yeah which is excellent <laughs> That's a nice little ironic you thing Chelsea, Misery, Wolf or yeah. a- Benchism or.
1: definitely adds, adds um, It's really weird I think his involvement has actually probably got greater As the albums have progressed When you see it live he seems to be responsible Mostly for the heaviness if that makes sense mm-hmm. I, think cause I, mean, I think in the first record And certainly in Apocalypse as well he's, he's kind of just a player As opposed to part of the composition team I think
2: the metallic thing doesn't seem a non sequitur entirely I mean, she's of norwegian germanic descent born in 83 her dad was a country musician she struggled with sleep paralysis as a child which i believe especially in pain is beauty was quite um mm-hmm. and was quite a big theme in the actual songwriting These these bouts of sleep paralysis and the the sort of things you hallucinate um the waking dream phenomenon
3: and the terror have you ever had it I've not, but my friend David had it quite re- repeatedly. And I it. have it, like, maybe three or four times a year, and I yeah. can tell you it's fucking scary as fuck.
1: as it it one of the worst things I've ever felt in my
2: life. Do you, do you have the phenomenon of feeling like someone's
3: in, on your chest? I, no, it's not on my chest, and it's in the corner of the room. It only ever happens when you somehow, like, you're having a lie-in, or maybe you're, you're jet-lagged, or, like, somehow, you know, overtired in the morning for me, and you think you're awake and you're very aware of the room around you. I'm really going to overdub some creepy music here. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also very aware that you you physically can't move. You can kind of see but you also kind of can't. You can't move your body and you're like, shit, how do I wake up? How? Do, what do I do? And then that's like the immediate feeling and then over time you you have this feeling that there's somebody in the room with you. Um, and it cha- you know different times it changes sometimes it's like somebody specific sometimes it's just the sense that there's a bad p- person nearby you know, <laughs> you know it's this crazy thing as well it's it's not hard to see but
2: with phenomena like that I mean we can explain it now but it's not hard at all to see where like ideas of like the incubus and the succubus and oh, just general
3: and, ghost stories yeah, you know a lot of Uh, people that I know um, who are you know rational logical people but they have a ghost story and they tell me directly you know I have actually seen you know my dead grandmother she was sitting in that chair it's always at a point at nighttime where they are in a sort of state of half sleep you know I woke up and I saw the man standing there I woke up and I saw them clear as day and it's like Possibly more likely that your brain is fucking with you. Yeah, I had a friend who used to, who tried different antidepressant
2: medications over a long period of time as they were trying to work out what would help her. And she used to hallucinate, uh, like, I don't want to say antelopes, but like deer type things Mm -hmm. running past the side of her vision. That's interesting. It's really strange. Hey guys,
3: it's actually Halloween. Halloween. We're recording this it Totally t- works. So the day before Halloween yeah. You should be getting it Two days after yeah. so, so this is the perfect episode This does totally work Yeah absolutely I'm quite happy You just tell ghost stories And I dub in yeah. one of those Kinda Ooh. like ah, 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 Kind of <laughs>, laughs.
2: laughs Had tons of reverb to it
1: that, This thing does make sense Sleep paralysis Because my experience of it Is like you do anything You can to move But it just feels like You're going Further away from Where you want to be It's fucking Never had it um,
2: David One of many other Davids not you, the finest David, clearly. King David. But uh, another slightly inferior David. Prince David. Um, he, um, he used to have the one where he'd actually wake up and someone was sitting on his chest looking right at him. Mm-hmm. And-
3: <laughs> you dropped that out of pure fear. Mark <laughs> shat himself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that sound was a jobby hitting the floor.
4: No,
1: Literally <laughs> shitting bricks.
2: Um, so... Uh, yeah, David used to get sleep paralysis, but his was a weight in his chest, and obviously the the brain's way of rationalising that was, you know, the dream was that someone's sitting in your chest, so he'd have a waking dream yeah. of like looking up and somebody looking right in his eyes. Yeah. Um, and obviously he was still asleep at the time, but yeah, yeah. it's unpleasant. Yeah, he used to lash out as well. See so when he got his like movement back, uh-huh. he scalped his girlfriend in the face oh, a few I, times.
3: I can believe that because when you are trying to wake up, you're physically you feel bound so yeah, then when, so you, when move, you do yeah. wake
1: up you're like f- totally you know
3: flap yeah. yourself because you're trying your best to I used to
1: get night terrors when I was younger so I think it's related to that for me I still sometimes wake up screaming after a bad dream in the middle of the night it's fucking <laughs> super terrifying honestly like properly like loud as fuck screaming it's like something out like a fucking Vietnam war story <laughs> <laughs> uh, you weren't there man you weren't there Um no yeah Uh so Maybe also
2: sort of in keeping this And you can start to see a pattern forming. In Chelsea Wolfe's gravitation Towards the dark side maybe uh, She spent a lot of time with her grandmother when she was young Who spit in the ground here Gypsy curse uh, Taught her about Reiki and aromatherapy And various holistic and alternative medicines mm-hmm. But uh,
1: also taught her about Inverted commas Other
3: realms Other realms? Other realms guys oh, interesting Other realms
1: I have to wonder how much of it is trying to build a persona as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, possibly. Yeah,
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, she definitely exerts some control over her Wikipedia because they have omitted that first album from history. It does mention it on her Wikipedia, but it's just not listed. Yeah, it's not listed Mm -hmm. in the albums, like uh, the discography, yeah. Um, Listed influences included people like Nick Cave, Black Sabbath, obviously. Mm. Uh, Suicide, the post punky kind of weird New York band uh deftones uh sun yeah um she was quite outspoken about Burzum at one point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and how much she liked Burzum's music and then recanted the whole thing for fear of negative publicity saying she was unfamiliar with his extreme politics and that you know didn't want anything to do with it and she also had I to see an episode that she also had a, a, a did a couple of interviews where she was asked about who she admired and what writers she liked, uh, and on that list she included Ayn Rand, the philosopher and author of Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead, Objective. and Certified Bastard.
3: Yeah, Certified. A bastard. What? She's a Certified Bastard as well. See, it's interesting though, because why is she a Certified Bastard? Well, she's just got the bleakest outlook of human life, and she has, uh, I pivotal role in the spread of neoliberal economics. Uh, that's why she's a bastard.
2: Well, yeah, but, so, so here's the thing, right? Uh, she's also, like, Ayn Rand is, I think, more so even than that, is the person held up by libertarians, especially
1: right-wing libertarians. Objectivism. Um, she called objectivism. Yeah.
2: yeah, and as a result, also admired by people within certain movements that we know not the alt-right but certainly the alt-light that sort of bridging kind of Mm -hmm. area but at the same time she's she's a philosopher and you know a writer on different things like economics and uh, society and so chelsea wolf disavowed that as well and came out and publicly sort of apologized for having talked that that doesn't sit well with me that that somehow some whole school of ideas it's not that you, you don't have to subscribe to it chelsea Wolfe may not agree with what she says, but to feel that you have to disavow yeah, but opinions, somehow a, a nefarious school of thought. I am not sure I opinions agree. Opinions can change and she no, but she think she apologised because Ayn Rand was her
3: her teaching was somehow immoral or uh No but I think if you live in America I uh, Ayn Rand has a much more visible influence on business and on particular people and on just a, an entire way of thought. Yeah, she does, but I don't think that makes her bad. Well, I'm, no, I'm, but I think I think what uh, people are a lot more likely to disagree with that way of thought, not like the, and by way of that, the originator of where that came from, because a lot of people take iran as an influ- as a you know the main influence in their lives yeah, possibly. And they are
2: she was very very intelligent though and some of the stuff that she said was also extremely savvy i mean don't get me wrong i mean of what i've read i agree with very very little of what Ayn Rand said but at the same time just because i don't agree with it i don't understand this attitude that it's somehow uh
3: unacceptable no but all all that Jelsey wolf has said it- is that she used to enjoy the writings of Ayn Rand and then now she kind of understands their context a bit more and she doesn't want to be seen as a supporter of Randian, you know, that Rantianism.
1: I don't see what's wrong with saying, I don't actually agree with our philosophy anymore. I think, I, mean, I think that's fair, right? But I think probably what Chris is more driving at is the fact that it's, it's the kind of like the feeling, the need that you must completely, like, say oh i'm so sorry for having these thoughts like it's which is a consequence of like the i guess the internet age is that like you is, you can't you can't really sit in the fence and have a dialogue you've really got to be in it or out it and i think in her point of view she's kind of going oh fuck i'm out of this because it's not because it's like you say it's had a lot of influence on it's other just, people this is know? the thing
2: i think we, we kind of touched on it we actually referred to this last week briefly but i think the the kind of the new puritanism of kind of liberal arts and mm-hmm. education systems with which I very much identify, but there is undoubtedly a puritanical streak going through that currently. And I mean, how many openly sort of right-leaning artists, actors, etc., do you know, like that aren't vilified for it? I mean, this this is I'm just asking in, mm-hmm. in the interest of fairness because I was trying to think like off Kid the top Rock. of my head. I got Kid Rock, who's a, <laughs> who's a twat. I have got Phil Collins, who's a conservative cock. I got Morrissey, who has been an absolute piece of shit for a long time. Got Jesse Hughes, who you know I hate. Even people like Ian Curtis. I mean, Ian Curtis was quite a, a right-leaning guy when he was alive. I just find it a little bit. It is unsettling that it, it's it's unacceptable to even court any sort of interest. I'm not saying she didn't change her mind. She may have organically changed her mind. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the fact that she felt that she so she so urgently and dramatically and visibly had to distance herself from any hint of dabbling in a very intelligent woman's writing even if she'd then moved on from it i think that's kind of slightly troubling that some lines of thought are just completely non-permissible within music and i think that would probably be something that was impressed upon her by her management you know hey you're working in an area of music you can't say you like burzum you know you can't say you like these things and that's that's fair enough i don't want to give money to burzum i can't stand the the, the guy but you, you just you can't be seen in any way uh to align with anything that's that's not orthodoxy for for liberal art, art artistic pursuits. I, I'm not trying to come to any world-changing conclusion. I just think it's a really interesting state of affairs that that's how things have ended up and that there is so much Puritanism and such a drive for, you know, flawless perfection within the left in that
1: sense. Everything's so polarised now, you know. You can't... If you put one foot out of line, you're automatically deplatformed, it seems, for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, so... I don't know. It was just I, I, honestly, that I just, just piqued my curiosity, and I was just, like trying to think who's who's a right leaning artist that I actually like, and I don't actually know. They probably keep it to themselves, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they they're
3: probably told to keep it to themselves, or it might be that m- most good artists <laughs> don't vote right.
2: Yeah, because... I mean, I would I would think there's probably a, a way of thinking that yeah, it does mean that over the piece, they they there there's a bias one way, but there, there, statistically, there's bound to be m- multitudes. Just like there's bound to be multitudes of gay footballers That can't come out mm-hmm. <laughs> you
3: know. So you uh, dr- Drawing a parallel between <laughs> uh, you heard it here Gay first. footballers and right wing artists If I could patent ideas
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm not going to have time to publish that Before this comes out nope. So uh, if you steal that
1: uh, Just buy me dinner Hi guys Sorry to burst in <laughs> on this amazing podcast But uh, the budget has hit us really hard this week And the price of beer has stayed the same Which is fair But we still don't have enough money to buy beer
3: Oh the actual UK budget with Philip yeah. Hammond uh-huh. Yeah that's true Austerity has not ended Asterity, for us
1: Yeah, it's not ended We are in various austere circumstances right now And we would like you to give us some money Or you can trade that actual money In the currency of the internet For likes So don't give us money Give us likes as well Which would be good Get your friends to like us that would be ideal. So either go to ww.unsungpod.net forward slash donate and give us whatever you can spare, whether it's fifty pence or fifty pounds, as some people have done, inexplicably. Or if you wanna tell a pal about this podcast, that would also be really 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 good. Thank you.
2: So uh, Chelsea Wolfe has collaborated with a number of people and I mentioned Russian Circles earlier on, she was on their Memorial album. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good song on that. I was going to say you're a big fan so you've probably got that one, I don't have that album actually.
3: Oh, it's Yeah it's great, really good record and uh, yeah she adds a sort of human touch to that record that kind of by record six you're thinking oh what can they do with their guitar, yeah, bass yeah. and drums and then she you know she just adds a really nice uh, personality to it and her voice is amazing so yeah really works.
2: Um, she appeared on is it the album called "Ordinary Corrupt Human Love" by Deaf Heaven? Yes, yeah, that's the new, new Deaf Heaven record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The world's most overrated fashion black metal band.
1: I mean, the world's most overrated Oasis tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, people love to slag them off just because other people like to like them so much. Um it sounds like you're a little, little bit good. being a little bit Puritan here in oh. terms of your uh I I uh, saw yeah. I saw Death Evan quit what
2: when was that, four years ago, five years ago they did the stereo show in Glasgow? Mm-hmm. Just wholly unimpressed with them. And that was somebody there is a better record than the other stuff I've heard by them. Yeah. But the so much of it seemed based on their image as like cool black metal and so much of the music seemed like an inferior version of actual black metal with like a kind of pitchfork twist I was just completely underwhelmed by them and continue
3: to be so yeah no I've seen them a couple of times and I like them a lot I think they're pretty good too
2: yeah I I'm satisfied <laughs> <laughs> um, I stood my ground um, and also they were uh, Chelsea Wolf was part of that four concert Blood Moon series that converged it yep which I would have loved to have been at. Um, Sounds amazing. Alongside Stephen Till and Stephen Brodsky of Kaven. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen Till of Neurosis, sorry, and Stephen Brodsky of Kaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Chisholm was on that as well, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, yeah, so, I mean. Go through like just should we talk about the Nexus now? Yeah, talking we, you about want it. to do the
1: Nexus. Let's oh, jump to okay. the Nexus as mm-hmm.
2: well. Oh, wait, so I did. I did a quite a good job last week on the Nexus music. Yeah, that's not that's how not much. A how
1: many drugs did you take? <laughs>
2: uh,
1: actually, all I had. To did do you was, have
2: acid on your wheat? All I had to do was throw myself down a flight of stairs uh, <laughs> to get the job done. Yeah, man. I am sitting quite uncomfortable right now. I've got a a bruise in my back that is a deep, deep purple
3: and. R- about the shape of Russia, I've noticed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no yeah. that. It's really it's, it's very I would large. I'd say more including former Soviet states. Actually, it's that large. <laughs> yes, it's our, yeah, <laughs> I can see really Kazakhstan is, yeah. on it. And, the sphere yeah. of influence. Speaking of yeah. <laughs> former Soviet
1: states, before we go into the next. No, the
3: sphere of influence is just below where his bruises.
1: <laughs> <laughs> before we go into the next,
3: <laughs> it's the ring of influence. <laughs> we
1: found out this week that uh, one of our episodes charted in iTunes in Tajikistan recently. Really? Oh wow! Yeah. What? 395 at 400. Well, three hundred and ninety-five out of four hundred. I used to. Well, there in Tajikistan I was at school
2: when I was at primary school I had a pen pal in Kazakhstan. Tajikistan? Tajikistan? Ah. Uh, I think you said Kazakhstan. No, no. Uh, I like said Kazakhstan, we, Kazakhstan we to earlier. Crack, but... crack that market. Oh well, my yeah. pen pal probably hasn't heard it then. <laughs> Alright, to hell with that. Okay, um, so Nexus music. I'm going to do some Nexus music. I'm, again, I'm quite looking forward to it.
3: That side of that. Thank, thank you. He's thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, first. first. Yeah. I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, so Fred Sablan is in the Chelsea Wolf, Wolf band. Chelsea Wolf. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just so excited to get the words out. Uh, and he also happens to uh, play uh, with Marlon Manson. He's the bass player for Marlon Manson. Oh right. I didn't so know that. So absolute goth credentials. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marlon Manson drummer for a while was uh, Gil Sharon. Who used to be in that band, uh, Stolen Babies, and was also in Dillinger Escape Plan. Never heard of Stolen Babies, but that—that uh, that was his original band before Dillinger. Cool. Uh, and uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, of course, uh, featuring their guitarist Ben Weinman, mm-hmm. um, who I once saw running across the top of two Marshall stacks in the cat house, yeah. playing his guitar behind his head at the same time. He's
2: a machine.
1: He's a very nice guy. guy okay, I've interviewed him twice. Either did.
3: Well, did you know that uh, he was playing live guitar for a while for The Prodigy, oh, as really? in Smack My Bitch wow. Up. The who Prodigy are playing. Uh, in, yeah, they're in playing. The SECC They are indeed. Well, uh, Smack My Bitch Up had that infamous video where it had somebody causing havoc on a night out. Absolute nineties. Whoop! Twisting the tail. Whoop! <laughs> Twisting the tail. It was a woman. M Night Shyamalan. And that was um, that video was created and directed by Jonas Ackerland. Mm-hmm. Who is a famous Swedish video director Did stuff for like SatyraCon In the olden days in Rammstein But also did Madonna A couple of Madonna videos Frozen Frozen I believe mm-hmm. uh, Madonna Well so uh, There's a link between Madonna And Miss Piggy From the Muppets Okay <laughs> uh, I mean there's just several Is it derogatory? <laughs> no uh, Miss Piggy appeared as Madonna uh, In the Muppet show on tour In 1985 Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's my link but you know just as a a very large uh character in um public life Madonna has been mentioned Yeah I mean this if this goes to the appeals court, I don't know if you're going to get rid of that but <laughs> Uh but anyway Dave Grohl was also made a small appearance in the oh, 2011 movie of course he did the Muppets of course he did uh and Dave Grohl is in Foo Fighters. <laughs>
2: well, no, that's an, that's an unnecessary step because we'd agreed that this was the Dave Grohl Oh, it's nexus. the Dave Grohl Nexus,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you are. Mark? Uh, mine's is quite simple this week. Oh, this week? Uh, really? Uh, why why oh, are you changing? So weird. <laughs> I can't help it. So this record uh, this record was produced by John Congleton, who was of the Paper Chase fame. Uh, who I've interviewed and
2: he was really nice and his band are tremendous. We also uh, produced Celine Dion and Marlon
3: Manson. He did? Yeah. Malamanson. Manson? Yeah. What records? Now we fucking look it up in our time, man. (laughs) Have you ever been to Congleton? Congleton? It's a town in England. Really? Yeah, it's uh, near, I'm pretty sure it's near Manchester. I've been, I drove through it once. (laughs) This is a guy Googling. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it is. I drove through it. Folks, I'm the only one between sitting on Google here right now. It's between Stoke and Manchester. And one time I had to drive from Stoke to Manchester. Anytime I get facts wrong, it's because they were wrong in my head.
2: Alright, I'm sitting here with a book. Remember those things? The
1: book. Oh, I hate and, books. Uh, John Congleton produced a record by Slater Kinney. He produced a Slater Kinney record as well. And as we know, Slater Kinney have a direct link to Dave Grohl. Still is it? Which is? I can't remember.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs>
1: Come on. It's Carrie Brownstein isn't it? So
3: You could need more than that. Why? Well, it's a direct link. We need to know it. I don't even want to do it for him. Is it do we bikini kill by any chance?
2: be all right. okay. <laughs> right, Mark, you've had your shot. Okay, Christopher. Um, Chelsea Wolfe uh, is on Sergeant House, mm-hmm. the record label and management company, owned by Cathy Pello. Uh, I might add, another band that was in Sargent House is the truly excellent Irish band Adebisi Shank, mm-hmm. who are no longer with us, but they are wonderful, and their third album is something that I very much hope yes. to put forward at some point. That's
1: an incredible uh,
2: record. Also, uh, I would like to add that on Sargent House was... Both Earth and Dylan Carlson's solo project. This could have been my nexus because Dylan Carlson is the guy that uh, they give the gun to Kirk Cobain that Cobain used to kill himself, and Kirk Cobain oh, has been a valid of Dave Grohl. But that isn't the way I went. So Sergeant House is it was set up and is run by
3: Kathy Pillow. Can I just interject quickly as well that Emma Ruth Rundle is on Sergeant House. Yes, cool. And if you like Chelsea Wolfe, you'll really like Emma Ruth Rundle. She's a bit more country version of Chelsea Wolfe. Carry
2: on. Yep. Uh, Kathy Pell no relation to Marty. Uh, formerly of Wet, Wet, Wet. Um, I hope that's not your link. Kathy Bellow commissioned uh, videos. It's <laughs> not related to. <laughs> uh, as, uh, she also works at Atlantic Records, um, maybe as her day job, and as a video commissioner, music video commissioner, and has commissioned and been involved in videos for Gnarls Barkley. Danger Mouse, one half of Gnarls Barkley, started a band called Broken Bells with James Mercer of The Shins, who were on Sub Pop. Could have gone Sub Pop didn't do that either too easy huh? yeah yeah i'm looking yeah, this Mark, well done you listening i'm listening too easy <laughs> the shins had a song called new slang which was made famous by the film garden state that indie darling movie featuring natalie portman and zach braff zach, zach braff uh, i fucking hate that film <laughs> <laughs> natalie portman also acted in a short film called hotel chevalier with Jason Schwartzman, directed by Wes Anderson. Yeah, it was and
1: the prequel to the, Jar- the Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, film. it
2: ran yeah. as the kind of pre-film attra- uh, mini-attraction uh, before screens of Darjeeling Limited. Remember when they used to have cartoons and stuff before mm-hmm. films? Just a standard thing. You'd have uh-huh. a Warner Brothers, Merry Melodies, Looney Tunes kind of cartoon thing before it. Um, Hotel Chevalier, as I say, was by Wes Anderson with Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman did an episode of Drunk History As Ralph Nader, the presidential candidate who is largely blamed for taking a big bite out of democratic votes and getting
3: first term George Bush, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, George W. Bush, yeah. Yeah, getting him elected despite,
2: I think it was uh, the famous video of both Michael Moore and Bill Maher getting him on a TV show and kneeling down in front of him begging him not to run. (laughs) Ralph Nader still ran. So, uh, yeah, Jason Schwartzman started as Ralph Nader in drunk history and dave Grohl has been in drunk history twice once as some kind of 16th century fellow in a powdered wig and once as a member of the memphis mafia who arranged for elvis presley to meet richard nixon and elvis presley was presented with some kind of badge that made him an official narc agent by richard nixon so that he could do something or other in memphis memphis and i don't know the, the details of that but yeah there you go that's cool dave Grohl and beyond
3: thanks for that let's hear the theme tune Thanks
1: a lot. Welcome. Cheers, guys. Welcome. So let's dive into the record then. Cool. Yeah, uh, Abyss, like you said, it's our fourth, technically fifth record. Is there any reason that you specific reason you chose this? I
2: have to admit, I'm sort of a little bit conflicted because I actually really like his spun, the recent one. I really like that too. I wasn't sure about it at first. The first when I first heard it I actually messaged you and went, Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you picked the right one. And the more I've listened to his spun, the more I've got into it. So I'm sort of on the fence a wee bit. So uh, His
1: Spun is also very, very good. And I think I probably need more time with it myself. Um, it's also really recent compared to this. And I think this this still is the, probably would be the most recent thing we've actually done,
3: maybe? Yeah, possibly, actually.
1: It would definitely be the most, re- most recent thing yeah, in the clo- Close anyway. to, yeah. 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 yeah, But for me, like it was between this and Pain is Beauty for me. Because I always remember when, when I first heard Pain is Beauty when it first came out. And uh, I remember being really taken by it, but it kind of grew off me a little bit as I went on. And then when *Abyss* came out, I was like, "Oh, this is actually this is kind of the this is kind of what I wanted." This is yeah, yeah. You know, from *Chelsea Wolf to yeah. begin with, like all that promise of.
3: I think *Pain and Beauty* is maybe just quite a superficial album. It's really fucking great to go back and listen to. Uh, I find and I really enjoyed listening to it. When it first came out But I don't know if it has A huge amount of depth to it That yeah. this one Yeah there's a few things Jumped out about that album as well In comparison to this one I thought the production
2: Was really quite slick Yeah and, definitely And as a result it sometimes covered up For a little Slightly shallow songwriting Yeah Um, I think there's moments of that Throughout the recent albums It this um,
1: engineer Pain Beauty Because obviously In His Spun It's Kurt Ballou right And they're both Like Chelsea Wilf and Ben Shism Both produced Pain is Beauty And His Spun so it's really interesting how the vibe is completely different. I'm not you know.
2: sure. Um, I do know that it takes some widely varying directions. There was a couple of things on it that were quite reminiscent for me of Lowe, albeit a bit doomier. But Lowe have at times been quite doomy. There's there's stuff certainly in and around trust that we spoke about in an earlier show. You know, that, that can be very heavy and very uh, misanthropic. A are tracking it called The Warden, which uh, I thought was quite slick and electro. And there was a song called "Destruction Makes a World Burn Brighter" that had loads of reverb and was almost like slacker music. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was even like a lot of moments of the band Beach House, mm. that sort of very melancholy but quite ethereally emotional stuff. And I think some of the better moments on this album remind me of that Beach Housey vibe. I actually really like it when she does that. I do think the Doom stuff's cool, but I think it has less longevity.
1: I think in this record, the Doom stuff is really interesting because the record almost seems to be, like, switched around. It gets, it starts off really heavy and it seems to get lighter as it gets to the end. Yeah. So it's like, it, I suppose, she's always talked about it as the whole record has been not just Abyss being the name of the record, but like the way that it's structured as well as like going down in the abyss. Yeah. Which is completely how you would not expect to be. Surely it would get heavier and darker and more oppressive as you go further down, but it seems to do the reverse on this. Yeah, it's a bit of a juxtaposition. Yeah, it? on Penny's Beauty, I had a lot. Of, I, I don't know if it's just me, but it reminded me a lot of Health Death Magic, mm-hmm. but not as heavy or as fast. But definitely the the, the electronic sounds and vocally,
3: and also aesthetically, yeah. just like black and red, mm-hmm. just full goth. That's and, true, you know, yeah. I think with goth music aesthetic is such a huge part of it.
4: Mm.
2: I mean, it's 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 interesting how she tried to create the sinister mood with the earlier albums by almost being more sparse and a bit more ghostly. I thought like the Grime and the Glow, that twenty ten album, which to her, to, to many of her fans, is the first one, if mm-hmm. you will, or at least to her, is the first proper one. It's like it's really bleak, but it's really um, I don't know what the word is. It's like like there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of empty space in it.
1: It's like uh, It's um, One thing she's always She's always been really attracted to And it certainly was something That came up when I interviewed her From my other podcast And so she said book spoke about in interviews as well She's really attracted to nature And open spaces And that really naturalistic vibe It can be felt in the first couple of records I think on that
2: It cracks me up When people say things like that I'm just like "What? Well, who isn't <laughs>
1: You know like <laughs> I'm, know, cra- but, I'm attracted to bo- there's, there's boxes, boxes there's Sitting in boxes a particular kind of blackmail Which is like Rooted deeply in that kind of like back to nature culture, you know? Yeah, yeah but like you... I feel, I feel like I've
2: snapped out of the dream right now mm. and I'm
1: just like, that's a fucking meaningless fucking sentence. So, no, like but it's not... But, runner, like, they're, they're kind of, They're naturalists, you know what I mean? There's, like, there's the bands kind of that do.
3: sound, you know... Like, we've talked about this, you know, being industrial. Industrial is very opposite to that sort of... Yeah, but it's like a, like a retrofit.
2: It's like I recorded the album and it's like, okay, it reminds me of being in a field when the sky no, is grey. No, I it. don't
3: think so. I think Ramstein, don't go down... Into the recording studio and go. Oh, let's see. It might sound very Germanic and robotic, or it might sound like we've recorded this in a park. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they go down there knowing that it's going to sound like that, and you can do the opposite. You can make it sound. I'm very attracted to nature and open spaces. <laughs> Therefore, I deliberately chose to write and record a song that is illustrative of a I, I, No, I, I know a I lot just, of I people really... that are not attracted to nature and. No, you, you know, don't. I fucking do. Agor- mostly agoraphobes. goths, yeah, mostly goths <laughs> that don't like the outside.
2: Uh, okay, well, okay, I'll,
3: I'll, I'll uh, suspend my disbelief, but um, but I think well, no to be honest, this, you're but... you're my main culprit here,
1: Chris. No. <laughs> like, that's boss, I don't think I've was... ever
3: seen you outside. Yeah,
2: Dave, I just wait in this room from week to week for you guys to turn up. That's why my research is so thorough because I've got nothing else to do in my life. Well, that's fine.
3: No, I just think that you're transported to dark, dingy venues. Uh That's cause working a, one. <laughs> yeah exactly, in a box, so you can never actually go outside. i don 't think I've ever met you on the street or seen a photo of you like a wheelbarrow in a the push, countryside, like a fucking over your head, yeah, exactly <laughs> The clocks went back for the rest of us, but for Chris it's always three a m <laughs> Won't the listeners be glad that someone else is getting bullied for a change?
2: <laughs> so what else about this record? Uh, well, we have... <laughs> <laughs> what else? Could, nothing. Nothing else. So like, what do you think of that album Apocalypse? The second one?
1: a third one? is technically, but... I f- it always felt a bit incomplete to me. Yeah, like, I, I like it. It's, it's good, but... It's, it's
2: another one that jumps about and I do mm. think that... It's talking a bit folkier. It is. And yeah. talking about a best, one thing it does is it's a lot more sure of its own identity and even though there's some variation a fair bit of variation. I think it's more consistent. Uh, I mean that one for me jumped about between some quite abrasive stuff like that primal kernel opener thing that was pretty brutal. There's like a Portishead vibe in a track called Mare.
1: Yeah po- there is actually I was going to point out It kind remind of reminded me There's a song in this It reminds me of that as well
2: Yeah and there's uh, Some strong PG Harvey stuff as well um, But yeah I think like Some of the early stuff Like I said If it was re-recorded With the same sense of identity The same consistent sense of purpose I actually think Some of it Musically would match up Pretty mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. I think what it feels like is that she's been jumping about from identity to identity, like listening to Portishead, listening to P.G. Harvey, listening to Beach House, listening to... I mean, her her dad was a country musician, apparently, mm-hmm. a folk musician, country musician. And so I think there's all these different influences in her not really knowing what's the best medium for her message. And as I said, when she was belittling her earliest effort uh Mistaken Parton, I think tonally or stuff's quite similar to mistaken part, and I don't think there's any great evolution in terms of uh, this mature, self-aware thing. I think it's, it can sometimes be, for want of a better phrase, a little bit cringy, but it's nice. It works because mm. it's gothy, and gothy is kind of often quite cringy and quite sort of narcissistic, you know. And and I think that's a big part of this music. I think it's really just. The way the language she uses to put it across, the kind of musical language, the vocabulary of, you know, the doom guitars. Because you can do like a sparse acoustic or you can have an, a plugged in ele- electric guitar that just resonates and rings off and you really allow like the reverb and stuff to do a lot of the work for you. And it seems like she's just sort of decided that's my most effective method. I don't really feel as a songwriter. She's massively upped her game, except on a couple of points in this album where she really uh, seems to land on some quite. Beautiful writing. I, I don't know. I'm jumping about a wee bit, but I did think that uh, Iron Moon was a particularly good one. The the second track.
3: Yeah, yeah, guitars are mm-hmm. huge on that. Yeah, Definitely. it's it's but got
2: this it's kind of still nursery rhyme quality almost. It's very simple. yeah. The melody is really yeah, that excellent. kind of waltzy thing that she's got. Um, it really felt like a lullaby. This uh, disp- and, and and those those big
1: choruses. Yeah, and the O's are, as well towards the end are just yeah. like which of as a bit like a recurring theme.
2: She, she reprises that the choruses as well. It's about three minutes thirty, three minutes forty, something like that. Where, uh, sorry, the verse comes back in. I beg your pardon. She reprises the verses, and this time though it's fully distorted. It's, it's, it's the same mm. theme but heavier, far heavier, and it's quite rewarding. Uh, I thought after the fall was excellent. I know.
1: So really, the fall was probably my favorite track in Yeah, it's a really stand out
3: song. Yeah, the electrics really work on it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the electronics. She,
2: the, the way the like she's got there's a there's a drum beat in that that's like clipping the whole way like a kick. It's like really yeah. crunchy and sort of like overloaded, but it works really well. It's quite dark.
1: It's yeah, obviously it's in the centre of the record, but it's also the bit where it starts to transition towards being less heavy as well at this point, and it's probably the most synth-heavy song in the record as well. I think. It's the most—it's where the song, the album becomes more tuneful, I would say,
2: rather than less heavy. Like it, it's still quite loud at pl- in places, but it's—I guess,
1: guess much more stripped back towards the end, though.
2: Yeah, I suppose. Um, I think it's the strongest, one of the strongest melodies in the record. Uh, there's a good use of synth in it; it's not overbearing. But there's some really nice Just little synth flavours That are mm. kind of complementing things Rather than running the show The chorus is like Really effective It's quite big And I think her voice Really works great in that song Like the, the effects on it Are really well chosen The range really suits her It's just that That for me Billy really Was one of the highlights The highlight for me The best tune on it And one that I, I I'll definitely Go back to Is a song called Simple Death So Just track eight. I've actually I've written a lot about that. <laughs> yeah, so like that, I think was the strongest individual song. Uh, it reminded me of some of the slowcore stuff again that Lo have done, especially when Mimi Parker's singing, but just delivered in a much more saturated kind of fashion. The multi layered vocals in it were yeah. really lush. And there's a there's actually a I'd recommend as well just that song. I found a live video of it being performed at Hellfest in uh, 2017. Oh. It's a really good quality recording of it and the way the song is introduced with like about two minutes of feedback and her just holding her hand in the air and then seeing her doing the vocals live it's, it's, it's just really affecting
1: I was going to say that there's a lot of really subtle details in this track which really make it as well like there's, there's reverb in certain drum hits but not all of it which is kind of really really cool and like there's the kind of reverse kind of reverb on the guitars with loads of e-bone stuff going on as well It just pure build but it also feels really fucking hopeless you know it, it does seem to come together pretty well in that one
2: There are, I mean, there's other strong songs in it. From my perspective, I thought "Carrying Flowers" is good. It's a really cold wave, and industrial, and obviously really gothy. Yeah. Albeit. It's a song that is very much about a statement of style Like this is the style of album you're about to listen to I don't mm-hmm. think it's the strongest written
3: bit of music It feels like an intro to me Which is fine
2: Possibly, mm. although I doubt she wanted it to necessarily be that way I think it's they probably, yeah, they probably, probably it did that and then put it at the start Yeah
1: um, Seeing dragged out just to be the wee vocal snippets The kind of creepy kind of as. Mm. Man. It just freaked me out every time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dragged Out's one of the ones I feel really relies on production to keep it alive. I don't, I don't think it's one that I thought it was nice again, kind of slow core and quite druggy, but uh, kind of a bit of a dirge. But the drums I've, are really weird in that song as well, they're really woolly sounding. Man, the drums are really weird in a lot of places in this album. That's um, a John
1: Congleton thing. When we, did the bar, when we did Baroness as well, we spoke about how he did the production on, on Blue Record as well. It was like the, the drum production is just a bit strange.
2: By the way, track four, Ma means a completely different thing in Scotland. Than yes. it? <laughs> <laughs> so like Maw as in like the gaping mouth of hell or whatever, but maw as in Ray Maw, what's for dinner? <laughs> don't don't explain that. I'm not gonna explain <laughs> that to the listeners. They can work that out. Alright, gaping mouth of hell, what's for dinner? Um It's kinda of the same thing, isn't <laughs> yeah, <about> it? Hey, <laughs> can talk about my mother like that. Absolutely not. My mother's um, a saint. But uh, I, I think like Mo's—I can't even say with a straight face—Mo's <laughs> very production focused.
1: <laughs> yeah. Quite eerie. It's got a backwards sample reverb crash. Don't thing. you dare say it my just... Mo's backwards. <laughs> There's a a, f-
2: a fucking dreadful snare dis- like tone that comes in at the end of that song. This really dry electronic sort of snare mm-hmm. sample. Like why? Like the song is so so reliant on atmospherics and subtlety, and then there's just this weird slapped-on-top snare effect that, that really dragged me out of the moment. And yeah. it, you know, it's and that's the thing with these albums—they need you to get drawn in because they're slow and they're they're patient. And if you if you keep getting snapped out of it by being like, what "The fuck is that?" It, it breaks a spell basically.
1: What did you think of Survive?
2: Uh, I thought survive is a bit of a non-event. Um, I think it's got that big noisy ending, and that's kind of cool. But it's really based on style, so it's like kind of impressive how loud and saturated it is. But yeah,
1: the bass of the so what. Great. Great. I know, mean, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the way that our voice goes up the octave just about one minute and a half in. It kind of gives me like a wee tingle down my spine every single time we hear that. It. It's I, this, this
2: a song that I just. I, I felt, to be honest, that I felt the whole, the last three tracks in this album were reasonably weak. I think it, it really peaks uh, uh, with Simple Death at 8 and it's sort of slightly kind of limps over the finish line for me. I thought like Color of Blood was sort of a non-event, uh, it's got this big kind of conceptual ending with the, the tom line, the, the steady tom that comes in which is it's cool, it's interesting, but there's not really any particularly in- inventive melody or other uh, devices deployed. It's just sort of like, oh here's a trick that's good. And I think I think that that happens a few times. There's 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 tracks where it's like we don't really know what to do with this song. I think um the song Crazy Love
1: Which is just that wishy washy, sort of strummed one. It's kind and, of back to our Neo folk kind of roots, you know, like there's a lot of that kind of stuff in Apocalypsis.
2: But the only thing that keeps Crazy Love really going for me is that eerie sort of violin descent that mm-hmm. runs through the the bits where it's just a, a, a kind of string drop and it's dead creepy. Mm-hmm. But that's just an effect, it's not about the songwriting. The, 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 the song is, if you were to just. Take away all this, like that Bill Bailey sketch where he does U2 without, mm-hmm. spe- without all the pedals. If you just take the effects and the production away from that song, what is it? It's like two chords. And if you're trying to progress as a songwriter, I'm like, that's not... I mean, if you combined much more interesting songwriting, such as Simple Death or After the Fall, with this production, then you've got like something really striking. But if you're just using the production to mask songs that aren't particularly fully realised things or perhaps shouldn't have made the cut uh, it kind of doesn't sit that well with me and I sound like I'm being excessively negative now I do really like her man I think there's points in this that are excellent but as I said I think there's a good number of these tunes shouldn't have made it um, I, we skip past Grey Days by the way which I think is actually really quite good really interesting like percussive thing the beat that comes in right from the start the vocals in it are really good uh, that kind of cello chorus with the falsetto was yeah, really pretty that was good. and it really reminded me of White Chalk era PJ Harvey I know I'm saying PJ Harvey again but PJ Harvey's has a lot of different sounds in her career and a lot of different approaches to to, to recording and White Chalk's quite an ethereal mm-hmm. album and that song really reminded me of that and yeah and then the, the Abyss the, the, the closing one is it reminds me a wee bit of Queen Adrena Mm. Um, but again I, I don't think there's really much of a tune in that song if you could take the root notes um, or indeed what possibly happens in that song is that so much focus was put in the production that the song itself kind of got swamped out by this kind of heavy handedness of delivery and it gets to the point where everything's so dilute and everything's so transitory and tone and stuff that you you actually can't grab on to what's happening with the melody or the song or anything underneath it it seemed i think i think it almost seemed like a failure of production as opposed to anything else
1: i mean if you think about it as being like as should be put at the bottom of the abyss and that kind of makes sense like kind of production wise I felt it was very woodsy and very. I think you're kind of like very, taking
2: the the title a little bit too literally there. <laughs> that's
1: the way she, that's a bit the way like she talks. She's a person that loves fields. It's like <laughs> that's the way she talks about it, right? I'm not saying that's exactly true because as, well, you know. as, as I was going to say before you jumped in, a fucking massive eye roll. But you know, as as I was going to say before you jumped in, it was like I actually think it's an anticlimax to the record because I kind of basically agree with you. All I right, do well, think. That, don't
2: repeat her fake news then.
1: Fuck off. <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> thing you can do with fake news. <laughs> Stop repeat fake news when she says it herself. Fucking dick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think we should end on that No <laughs> You fucking dick Mark wants us in You fucking dick All right, You fucking dick I, I I, honestly don't
2: I I like Chelsea Wolf I like Chelsea Wolf as an act And I think I, I really really like Seeing Chelsea Wolf live I am not Entirely sure She has yet Made an album That does her Justice from start to finish um, We never actually mentioned it But in Hisp And I think One of her best songs Is a song called The Culling Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and if you're just if you're rifling through a back catalogue and looking for kind of highlights and stuff I think the culling is really really worth listening to because it's her songwriting and production in really equal measure working for me
3: yeah I really like Hispun. Um I think Pain is Beauty is brilliant and it's the one I go back to a lot this is probably maybe her most like diverse and accomplished one i think i I would agree with mark and choose this one i would say i think you could make a hell of a compilation tape of chelsea wolf i think if you went
2: through her records
3: you could put together something really really special but i don't think necessarily which is something that we've said of a few bands it's interesting that nobody quite gets that defining record right even if you're great yeah i I would maybe concede that this is her
2: best record I'd, in in the context of Chelsea Wolf this is possibly uh, this is their best record in the context of music in general is this an unsung classic I don't think so I okay. think it has classic moments on it I think there are four songs in this uh, that that we've mentioned after the fall Grey Days uh, Simple Death Iron, Iron Moon like mm. if that was the standard of this album it would be a fucking absolute shoo-in but that's not the standard of this album for me I think there's far too many of mediocrity And she clearly Has better In her locker
4: mm.
1: It's a bit like uh, That LaRue record Isn't it <laughs> The second one Possibly Yeah this is just like A but, goth I mean, LaRue the, the, Isn't the, it The first one just, You could just take it She's a woman Quality, With an album really. So this is basically <laughs> A goth LaRue I think I think the public Will decide if we have The album or not I don't think it's for us To decide But I do think It should go on Okay great Losing a wee bit of faith In the public recently
2: but.
3: Have you? Mm. Why? Especially in Brazil <laughs> well, you're not fuck. allowed to vote if you're in Brazil. Yeah. Well, what did
1: this us? go at? Ten, uh, second. The
3: second. Second. Yes, this
2: is our last episode before those American midterms take place as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. those fucking
3: wacky bastards, better get their shit together. Good luck, you mad cunts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've got quite a lot of American listeners, though. So good luck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, guys.
3: Oh no, no, no! Wait, wait, wait! What are we do next week? What are we doing next week, then? Oh, oh, it's my choice, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh fuck! Is this before? Is a new? Is this a newer record or an older record? Two thousand and eleven. Is it that old? Yeah. Fuckin hell! I I've chosen Rusty uh, Glass Swords, which you guys struggle with, Chris, because it doesn't have a guitar in it.
2: What does that mean?
3: It means that you're a child. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I also went full full on Marlon Brando with my. What is it? Um, But yeah, so uh, looking forward to that. Thanks. Thanks guys. Thanks guys. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>